This is Erased. I'm Colette Bauer-Zinn. And this is Lisa Johnson. Two Black moms bonded by bluntness, tenacity, and an unwavering commitment to creating communities of support. Every Thursday, we're exploring where the intersections of education, race, and culture collide, dissecting interracial issues to help you navigate and thrive, despite being marginalized. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to E-Race Podcast. I'm your co-host, Colette bowers in sitting right next to Lisa Johnson. So excited for our topic today. <laughs> yep. Something we can all, you, me, and our guests relate to. Absolutely. And that would be my cue. Yes. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Woo. So research shows, and we know personally, independent school is socially and emotionally harder for Black girls than Black boys even, which... That's a whole other show we'll have to do because that's a little bit relative. But we wanted to talk about the experience of the fabulous young black girl in independent school and better understand it, shine some light on it, possibly talk about how we think things can change. And here today to help us tackle this issue is Olivia V.G. Clark. She is a 16-year-old author of Black Girl, White School, Thriving, Surviving, and No, You Can't Touch My Hair. Don't. Touch my <laughs> hair. I, she had me at the title of the book, right? Okay, so it's currently number one at Amazon bestseller in three categories and number one new release across seven categories. Hey. Okay. She is quite clearly a leader and activist in diversity work. And when she's not busy authoring books, she's busy being a senior doing applications right about now in high school. We're also here with her mother, Therese Clark, is also a writer, editor, and consultant for businesses and organizations. She's also an author herself. Apples don't fall far, huh? She successfully published Olivia's Potty Adventures. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hi. <laughs> so we like to get stuff started by asking our guests. Olivia, if you'll go first, when was the last time in your 16 years where you felt erased, diminished or not heard or seen and visible because of your gender or race? The last time because of my race and gender was probably when talking about police brutality at school and the erasure of Black women in that conversation as well and having to deal with that. Were you in the classroom? Yes, in the classroom, as well as just talking like afterwards. Were you having to represent all Black people with your <laughs> thoughts and feelings? Yes. <laughs> yes. Check that I box. Was. Okay. And mom? I would have to say the same if we're talking about the most recent time. When we talk about police brutality, we tend to focus on Black men, but Sandra Bland and Breonna Taylor, ad name, ad name, tells yeah. us and shows us that this is not just a Black male problem. And it took a lot of women pushing on social media to even get Brianna Taylor's name out there. For our and listeners, if you haven't done so already, you need to go backwards and check out our episode on the intersectionalities of race <laughs> and sex. Very topic. Mm -hmm. But back to the room we're in. Olivia, tell us about the book. When did you get the idea to write it? Why'd you write it? How did it all come together? That fabulous title. Right? Talk to <laughs> us. Yes. The first idea, like the first inkling of the book happened about a year and a half ago and I was just walking home from school with my mom one day and we were just talking about you know life as we do and I mentioned that I had an idea and how cool would it be to have a collection of you know stories essays anecdotes etc cetera, etc cetera, written by black girls about black girls and the black female experience at predominantly white institutions and she just looked at me and was like yes <laughs> do that and so 
then I was like, okay, I should probably write this book. And because I'm a procrastinator, I didn't start until about a year ago. So just six months of me just knowing it's in my head, fooling around, but not doing anything. And so it started off with me reaching out to black girls that I knew from camps, you know, from schools and saying like, hey, I'm writing this book. Do you have an essay, a poem, something you want in it? putting out Google Forms. My mom helped me set up a website actually, where I had a Google Form there for them to enter in whatever they wanted. The book is in sections. One of the examples is I'm not her. And that section talks Amen. about- Amen. <laughs> we do not all look, look alike. alike. <laughs> Knock it off. Exactly. And that's one thing that I, especially me and my friends at my school talked about a lot right before the book came out, was just always being called each other's names. Yeah. And no one ever being able to tell us apart, despite one of us being 6'1 and the other one being 4'11. Like, very <laughs> obvious. Womp, <laughs> So, And isn't I it a shame that, that, like, it happens so much that it's humorous to right. us at this point? Right. Like, right. to survive I it, know. we have to make it funny. Otherwise, that normalized? we just be angry Black women right. all the time. Exactly. We can't win. We can't win. No. Show emotion. Yes. Can't do yeah. it. I did that and I set it up into sections, had people send in things under whichever section they wanted. And then somewhere in that process, I started thinking, oh, I should probably put a title to this. So it's not just like ambiguous book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a black girl at a predominantly white school. Boom, black girl, white school. And I thought about what I wanted it to cover. I wanted it to teach and help black women and girls understand how to survive in these situations and not only how to survive, but also to thrive and to help each other and to know that there are other girls out there doing, struggling with these same instances. And then I wanted to put an example of something that we deal with all the time. Mm -hmm. So can I touch your hair? Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> no. Yes or no. <laughs> the last part of the book or of the title, I should say. And the main reason why I wanted it to be an anthology was to let other people insert their own ex um, experiences because I don't have the same experiences as other black girls do in other parts of the country in their individual schools. And I wanted to make sure that there was a wide range of experience because the youngest author is in middle school and the oldest have already graduated college and moved on into the workforce. So I wanted to make sure that it had a wide range of experiences and black women and diverse experiences so that it could be helpful to everyone. Amen. I just, you know, I every page I turn, I'm like, I wish I'd had this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mom, you have to be proud, first of all. But second of all, tell us about your perspective on the book. You know, at what point did this really become real and why do you think it's so important? Well, so we're always proud, you know, of our kids. So that's never been an issue. Yeah. <laughs> They've never had to work yeah. for it. With all of our kids, and since Olivia is our first, we call her our experimental <laughs> child. So, you know. How many do you have? Okay. We have three. Two girls and a boy. We never know really what to expect until it happens, right? Lives that groundbreaker and, and kind of lays that path. So when she comes up with things, we kind of treat it as, okay, so this must be what the kids are doing. You I know what know. I mean? So for yes, her to they come all write up books. with... <laughs> In their spare right, time. Right. You know? <laughs> so, brilliant idea. All right. Sounds normal. Let's do it. Um, it stopped me in my tracks. Yeah. 
it was one of those moments that I looked at her and I'm like, holy crap, that's <laughs> yeah. dope. Like, you've got to do yeah. that. That's needed. I wish I had that. I wish I had thought of that. <laughs> what can I do? And then, you, you know, you I got excited about the idea. And then I wanted to make sure I didn't do that mom thing where you come in and you take over. And so I wanted to make sure that she knew that she had me and my husband's support, you know, as always, but that she would have to kind of drive this bus and measure it to, you know, she's got a lot going on, you know, and you got school and everything. And so I did not want what was a great idea to become a chore. I went to an independent all girls school, had a lot of the same experiences. We thought my husband and I, my husband went to predominantly white institutions, all of most of his school career. So we thought we really kind of prepared her for what she would encounter. Mm -hmm. As we learned both when she was doing the book and reading the book, it's different having parent experience shared with you and then experiencing it yourself and having someone within the school for support. Absolutely. Yeah, that's life parenting. We think we can tell our kids things to and share things with them to help them avoid certain things. Yeah, but I think that is such a universal approach and opinion about that conundrum of do I put my child in a private school? Right. And I think we tell ourselves as parents, I'm going to do a great job outside of school, making sure they're surrounded with culturally and socially, you know, appropriate stuff. And every parent should do that anyway. But we think that's going to be enough. And the reality is too much of identity is shaped and formed in school. There's no way around it. So in absence of having any support for that, it just is a vacuum. Olivia. Right. Can you tell us what the response has been to the book, specifically by people in your school, classmates, admin? (laughs) Yeah. Before I published it, I didn't really tell anyone. Like, besides the people I was reaching out to and, like, people who saw it, like me sharing, like, oh, here's some entries, I didn't talk about it that much because at first I was a little nervous. You know, I didn't know what the reaction was going to be in my circle or outside of it. But it was really, really nice. I mean, I haven't had a single person at my school or administrators, teachers, students or whatever, have a negative reaction. I know that most, maybe not most, but a lot of like the first pre-sale books were from my Mm. friends and from my teachers and things like that who wanted to learn more, who wanted to support me. So that was really nice because one thing that I'm grateful for is I don't let any of the like negativity that I've gotten from the book get to me. I mean, I don't really, not that I don't want to say I don't really care. It's just, it's not, that was not the purpose. It's for people who are offended by it. It wasn't. What kind of negativity? I want to hear about this negativity. I need to understand. (laughs) (laughs) I've, um, with some of the larger platforms that have pushed me out, like the root and like the NBC four I news, I got a lot of, well, why isn't she making this for white girls too? She uh-huh. must not be a feminist. Or I've gotten a lot of, you guys make everything about race. Someone called me communist who hates women. Yeah, <laughs> so I've called racist multiple times. I've been called a lot of things for people who think that what I'm saying shouldn't be talked about. Got it. That I was just like, oh, Next. Okay. excellent. Yep. Keep it Next. moving. Keep it moving. <laughs> I, that's why I asked. I wanted to know if it was like specific to people that were trying to seek some type of enlightenment or is it it's it's just these generalists that troll currently and have yeah. things to say to which the response is next. But it's also I'm hoping also been an opportunity for you 
to share your experience, obviously, with your schoolmates. And and again, have any of them expressed to you, like, I just didn't know your experience? Has it created opportunities for you to then further educate in your own school? It really has. I've had a lot of the girls who have already graduated and for like some of the underclassmen and girls in my grade talk about like, I didn't realize the depth of the situation. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I've had a lot of people tell me about how their the book has helped them understand how to be a better ally. And also black girls, specifically underclassmen at my school who have come to me and said like, they're so like happy that I yeah. wrote it, that other people in our school and outside of our school will get to see what it's really like for us every day. And so I have had a lot of people say like, oh, this was great. How can I like do this more? Excellent. And so the journal piece of it, did that start from the very beginning or was that something that kind of developed? And you've got, if you'll tell us also, you've got two different types of journals. Tell us about those. That developed towards the end of like right before, like right during the editing process, right before I published it. And I was talking to my mom and my dad And I was just like, how can I make this more interactive? I thought about maybe making a journal, maybe doing like, I don't know, like a web show or something, things, ways that I could continue the conversation after the book. And so eventually I settled on creating a journal and two separate journals. So the first one, which is currently already out on Amazon, is Black Girl White School, The Journal. And this journal is just for Black girls and it pairs with the book. It's for Black girls to talk about their days. There's venting places. There's journaling pa- places, um, affirmations, things like that to help them as they read the book to reflect on their own experience as well. And then the second journal is the Ally Journal, which is currently up for pre-sale, which is meant for non-Black allies and PWIs and administrators to think about how they can be a better ally to think about how they perpetuate certain stereotypes in their own schools, where they are lacking and where they are, what their strengths are, and how they can work on themselves better. And so that is the second journal that will be coming out soon as well. Holidays coming up. That would be a nice little gift. (laughs) Here, teacher. (laughs) Some light reading. But (laughs) to that point, I I would love to know, Olivia, why do you think independent private schools are so difficult for black girls? And that's such a loaded question and may not be totally fair, but I would love to know from your vantage point. (laughs) I think the first piece of it is the cultural shock and the environmental difference. I came from a predominantly black school because I was in this uh, Columbus City school system. And then moving into a independent, predominantly white institution I just wasn't used to it. I mean, from where I was, race wasn't really anything that was anywhere in my head because everyone looked like me. And also because the um, socioeconomic status piece Mm -hmm. of it was also another thing because I was used to everyone to be middle class or middle class poor. Like no one really thought about it. Whereas in my school, everyone was really wealthy. And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. (laughs) Where did this come from? And I think a lot of the experiences in the black culture that they are used to comes from media and it comes from music. It comes from TV shows. It comes from movies. And that's not always an accurate representation of who we are, especially as black women. You see us portrayed in media. You see us as angry, as sassy, as one dimensional. And then that's how they think they need to interact with us. They need to add that black scent. They need to start using A, V, E more. They need to 
you know, start trying to act more black as how they see it in the media. So then that already makes it awkward because you're like, why are you talking like that? What? <laughs> like, why are you doing that? And then... You said using A-B-E more? Is that what you said? A-A-B. A-A-E-B. What is that? American. African American Vernacular English. Ah, you're saying V-E, not B-E. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? what's the latest uh, acronym? Right? What? I'm with you. Okay. <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only person out there that was like, wait, what? <laughs> no, I only know it because I read yeah. it in a book. <laughs> <laughs> I think that part, the cultural piece is already difficult. And then for me, when I entered, I entered in middle school. So middle school is awkward. It is weird. And I didn't like it because it's middle school. And already adding that cultural difference and being the only black kid in a lot of the, my classes and things like that was already difficult. I think that was probably the main thing for me and one of the main things for a lot of yeah. people. I also think that one of the pieces, and maybe not at, at your age, is that when you were talking about media and movies, television, music even, is the over-sexualization of Black females. Mm -hmm. And then right. when people who are learning from those dimensions come in and think that that's how we need to be interacted with, it goes sideways really quickly. <laughs> I did a, another interview on, is this the right word? Adultization? Adult, adultification. Adultification mm -hmm. of Black women and Black girls. And that is also something, I mean, thinking about how, I believe it was a Princeton study mm -hmm. that found adults see Black girls from the age of four and five as more mature, as more sexual, yeah. as more less needing of help and nurturing than white peers of the same age. And that's also dangerous. I mean, thinking about how these adults could be in law enforcement and these adults run these schools and how dangerous that is on an emotional and a physical level for black girls. And that was also something that I really thought about while writing the book. Four or five as more sexual. Like that shouldn't even be in the same sentence. Yeah. I think I just threw up in my mouth. <laughs> it's scary. We all have daughters. But, you know, this book, I do believe, is going to help so many girls. We're going to have to do the one from the elementary perspective. Right. No, so, so, so Olivia, the, the we got to have the you prequel, do... the prequel, <laughs> the... Yeah. What's coming next? No, because <laughs> you're so on point with respect to we all have different experiences, but the commonalities are just so there. And there's such power in sharing those stories. And the commonalities definitely are there. And when I was saying kind of jokingly, but not that we need to do the elementary edition, it goes with what you're saying that starting at four or five people yeah. are starting to interact with black girls on a different level for these misperceptions. And the part like we live with them. We have two elementary mm -hmm. aged young women. They get it. They see it. They experience it. Yeah. They name it. Yeah. So it's not like. You can't. We could fill a book tomorrow <laughs> if we were to put the call out and ask for elementary age black girls experiences. There's so many layers to this. I mean, just the research alone about just the impact of social emotional learning for girls versus boys like that is just that. Mm. And as I joked before, but we could do an entire series on mm -hmm. don't touch my hair. Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, as an adult school administrator, I specifically remember having to talk myself in my head back from physically snatching up a little girl when oh, we were on retreat. And I said, she asked, may I touch your hair? I said, no, sweetheart. And she went ahead and did it in front of everyone. And I was like, oh, 
breathe. I could go <laughs> to jail. Yes. One one thousand. Two one thousand. <laughs> Three one thousand. I'm not gonna look good in a jail suit, right? I have children to think right. of. Right, my kids. <laughs> And so, again, back to the the book, I do think, you know, just by sharing the experiences and getting people talking about all this stuff in a more open way is just, it is pretty significant. So I have to ask, it's getting a lot of well-deserved attention, both the book and and you. Is is there anything that's been like tripping you out a little bit, like you're a little excited about? Has Oprah called? I know, right? (laughs) I mean, not yet. Shonda? (laughs) Um, I remember when The Root reached out to me to ask to do an article, I was like, oh, whoa, um, okay. Mm-hmm. And then after The Root article came out, Issa Rae reposted hey, it on her Facebook. the awkward black girl, yes. My mom found out about it first because I, she was looking at her phone and she screamed. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. And I, it was a scream, but it wasn't like a Scared screams was like, oh, it's something good. So I assumed it was like Jason Momoa. Or something. That <laughs> is the ultimate now, there good. There is a new topic. <laughs> that is the ultimate good. I come here, come here. And she showed my dad, and then he showed emotion. And I was like, whoa, why is he excited? And then, <laughs> and then I realized, and she showed me, and I was like, oh, crap. Like, I cannot believe it reached her. And like, obviously, I know people like run her social media. She can't be running everything. But it said, dash, dash, dash awesome period and I was like that has to be (laughs) yeah it was a fangirl moment yes because sure I followed Issa Rae since her web series I'm an awkward black girl so you know that touched my heart and so everything that she's done since has been amazing and to like be sitting in my pjs on the couch scrolling through facebook and see that and see that it's my daughter yeah, I had a moment. <laughs> and this was her lived experience as well. She went to one of our local private schools in Los Angeles and had some definite experiences. Yeah, you deserve yeah, a so, fan out over that. Because when I first wrote it, I just wanted to hit, like, my goal originally was 100 books. I was like, if I can sell 100 books, then I'd be like, wow, look what I did. And then it became a number one new release right after pre-sale ended. I think in the middle of pre-sale. In the, in the middle of pre-sale. And I was like, well, this is so dope. And then like two weeks, like last week, two weeks ago, it became a number one Amazon bestseller. <laughs> <laughs> I just was not expecting it. And just seeing the interactions I've been able to have has been really, I'm really blessed and really grateful for it because that just means that's more black girls that are seeing this that I'm able to help. Amen. So. I love your humility, but go on, dust your shoulder right, off at right. the same time. And start that sequel. <laughs> right? I'm so serious. Reach, no, no, you need to reach out to Issa and ask her about buying the rights or what the television show is going to look right. like. <laughs> Something. Because... Yeah, that's the thing. I want to do multiple editions. That was the plan, If seeing how this one went. And then doing multiple editions so that I can get, like you said, elementary yeah. students, more girls from different um, age groups and making a bigger version, especially touching on what you said about elementary students. One thing that I see is we underestimate how much young kids yep. understand. And I work at the after hours at my school. And when I tell you some of the things they've told me, I'm like, you get it? Like, like you understand and seeing some of the interactions that I see them have. And I'm like, they get it. 
they understand, but because they're short and four, <laughs> people just assume that right. they don't know what's they happening. They definitely get it. You need to like copyright the black blank, white blank. And so I see this for you, like black teacher, white school. Mm-hmm. Black, black mm-hmm. woman, black white parent, corporation. White right. Black woman, white corporation. <laughs> yep. Black man, white corporation. Yeah, look at this. <laughs> the wheels are turning. <laughs> Get in there. Yes, for sure. Hurry up before one of our listeners I know. tries to I know. do it. But I love that. I mean, I love that you're talking to younger kids because that peer-to-peer connection, you can tell them, you can reach my daughter in a way that I can't because I'm mom. And you're just going through it. I mean, that's something that's just so relatable to get the kids talking about it while they're in school. I think so many times what happens is you go to college, you start to mature. That's when you start to really draw the connections and and become vocal about what you experienced. To do that so much younger while it's happening is just, I can't say enough good things. Thank you so much for doing this book. It's powerful, powerful. So to that point, What advice do you have for the younger ones going through it who haven't quite figured it out and are about to be made aware? (laughs) Right. I think the first lesson I learned when I started making that transition between trying to change myself and diminish my blackness in order to fit in where I was to embracing it again, because I was raised in a household that was very set on making me secure in my blackness, knowing black is beautiful, learning about my history and things like that. It was really hard in middle school. And I think the main thing that I had to learn was, and my blackness was not the problem. It was the systemic hey, racism and discrimination. Say that again. That again. <laughs> it's them, not you. For the people <laughs> in the back that are pretending not to hear you, say it again. You are not the problem. It is the systemic racism in your school. That's the first thing you have to learn in order to be able to not only raise yourself up, but being able to advocate for other girls, other students of color, other people of color in whether that's school, your environment, your workplace, wherever. That's the best thing I can say. That's the first thing I had to learn in order to start this journey. And that is the first step I feel like for anyone. And oftentimes that's something that you just have to go through yourself. But it's nice to know you have a support system and resources like this book. And it's a hard message to hear when you're being countered with. Yes, everything else. the opposite. Right. Like you are the problem. You're so angry. I remember just being in a perpetual state of confusion. Like it just didn't make sense. And I didn't have the vocabulary or the wherewithal to even try and piece it together. That's what I mean. Like to be able to do that so much younger. I mean, look, I'm old. Stuff has happened. We got code switching. We got words and terms that we didn't have. True. So it's uh, it's right, definitely right. changing. That's the nice thing. It is changing. And yet we still have a lot of generational experience. And I love all these resources for, you know, we were talking to my mom recently and I was just saying, like, I had the benefit of being raised by a black educator yeah. as I was navigating these white spaces. You have your mom who's raising you and centering you in yeah. blackness. Lisa's doing the same in her home. Me with my daughter. I love these resources for kids who don't necessarily have that. Absolutely. I've noticed at my own school, and I feel like in a lot of PWIs, so many of the young Black and young girls of color at my school don't necessarily have Black parents or have parents of color. I see a lot of kids who have adopted. I see a lot of kids who may live with like their grandparents and their parent was mixed, but their grandparents are white. Things like that, where they don't have that parental or auntie or somebody who lived that same experience as them. So then they have to deal with the thing where 
everyone in their family is white, but they're not. And then they go to school. That's and it's the same fascinating. Thing. That's a whole nother population it that is. we need to give some time and energy to. Yep. Yeah. Mm. Oh my. Thank you uh, for putting that on our yeah. radar. And I don't often go there immediately when it comes to topics like this. And, and they are very valuable, important member of. They're trying to figure it out on a whole correct. different level. <laughs> and we need to show them some love. Right. Mm-hmm. People can purchase the book via Amazon, correct? Black Girl, White School, Thriving, Surviving, and No, You Can't Touch My, my hair. hair. I said no. <laughs> I said I said what I said. Buy it on Amazon. <laughs> Get these journals. Yes. Give some to your Holiday allies. Holiday gifts for teachers, family, friends. Well worth the investment. Ladies, thank you so much for being here with us today. We appreciate you. We look forward to the sequels, to the spinoffs. Amen. To the show. (laughs) (laughs) Mixtape. Remix. (laughs) We're laughing, but seriously. (laughs) Oh, oh, I'm very, I've made it very clear. She's got it. I took the notes. We're good. I see mom's wheels literally spinning right now as we're having this conversation. Remember to tune in next Thursday. What what were you saying, mom? Go for it. Go where she leads. Our parental philosophy is support them and get the hell out their way. Amen. (laughs) Amen. That is a parental philosophy that should be held by all across the board. Right. No matter race, color, creed. Get out of their way. Get out of their way. And not only that, I mean, this is a whole other, again, show, but let them mess up. (laughs) Right. Let them mess up, including getting out of their way so they can mess up. Correct. So, yeah, That's maybe uh, in a few weeks or so we will talk about that and you will hear it on a Thursday because you tune in regularly because we are here every Thursday. Please remember to rate, review and subscribe to us at erasedpodcast.com. That is erased with a C. And thank you. Thank you for another fabulous Thursday, Miss Collette. Amen. See you next week. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.